Welcome to The Connector, where we connect North Carolina to ideas and North Carolinians to each other. This podcast series is from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. And now to the conversation. Welcome, everyone. I am James Herrick with the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University, and welcome to The Connector. So far in The Connector, we have had guests on to talk about Talent First Economics, the 2023 Emerging Issues Forum, and breaking down barriers for underrepresented workers across North Carolina. Today, we're taking a trip back in time and learning how connections made at the 2014 Emerging Issues Forum are now shaping the future of education and teacher quality in our state. And we are so happy to welcome Brenda Berg as our guest Brenda is the president and CEO of Best NC, Business for Education Success and Transformation in North Carolina, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition of over 100 business leaders with a focus on making education in North Carolina the best in the nation. Best NC recently released a report titled Teacher Pay in North Carolina, a Smart Investment in Student Achievement. And we're excited to talk to Brenda about this report and his origins at the forum. So let's now start the conversation. So Brenda, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Great yeah, you're topic. Welcome. I'm always eager to talk about teachers. I'm a teacher group. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Now, the 2014 Emerging Issues Forum was focused on teacher quality in North Carolina, specifically training, retraining, and supporting world-class teachers in every classroom to secure our state's future economic competitiveness. And out of that came five top recommendations from our audience, which were rebranding teachers, teaching, excuse me, through a statewide campaign that attracts young people to the profession and helps the greater community understand the value of our teachers. Number two, increase teacher competitiveness by enhancing entry-level requirements and tying compensation to multiple measures. The third recommendation was building career ladders that allow top teachers to stay in the classroom and reward teachers with differential pay for taking on leadership responsibilities, such as coaching peers. The fourth one, emulating the medical profession structure for establishing status by focusing on better training, standards, and leadership opportunity. And the fifth recommendation, develop 11th month contract options for teachers to allow for more effective talent development. So how do you think IEIs work? And the audience recommendation in 2014 influenced the conversation and action to strengthen the K through 12 education system. Yeah, I mean, the 2014 IEI Forum, um, just to give a little bit of context to the audience, is that it was, we were just coming out of the Great Recession. And we had had, as a state, teacher pay freezes for many years. Um, we'd really lost traction in terms of where we were paying teachers, but it was it was particularly bad at the front end of the schedule. I have a, a, a colleague who was hired during that time and her pay was frozen such that instead of moving up the pay schedule, which is years of experience banded, she just stayed flat for six whole years and never made a penny more, which is the opposite of what you would do in a high school profession. Those are the years where you're making the most progress and, and across the board generally, teachers, lawyers, or I should say lawyers, doctors, professionals get paid a lot more in the first couple of years of their career. And we were, you know, again, it had been frozen. So there was a 
2014 forum was a, um, I think a sold out audience, if I remember correctly, because everyone really wanted to have this conversation about increasing teacher pay, but there was a healthy conversation about how to do that and not just sort of doing it the same way that we'd always done it. So I want to make sure that we're kind of framing that conversation um, uh, and what was exciting is they, you know, as usual with IEI, really well organized with a, a broad set of stakeholders. I think there were maybe 100 planning team members or something who, yeah, you know, got together and tried to curate yeah. all of the, 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 the findings. And, and I'll, I'll just highlight one of the presentations that I remember was a nurse who was on stage and she was talking about how the nursing profession, this was personal to me because my dad was a nurse. And he um, he had a two year uh, degree to be an RN. And at the time, nursing was flat. And over the last several decades, nursing as a profession, you now can be a nurse one or nurse two and a nurse leader. And that really affected the audience and their thinking. And so out of these five recommendations, two of the recommendations are around career ladders for teachers. Number the third recommendation was build career ladders that allow top teachers to stay in the classroom and reward teachers with differential pay for taking on leadership responsibilities such as coaching peers. And then recommendation number four specifically says, emulate the medical profession structure for establishing status by focusing on better training standards and leadership opportunities. So here you have, you know, two kind of co-related priorities Um, And I'm happy to say that just a year later, 2015, the the House actually considered a bill around this, and actually the House, the Senate, and the governor supported a bill a year after that in 2016 to establish what's now called advanced teaching roles that does exactly this. It it, um, it creates um, multiple different pathways. So you're not just, you don't just have to be a boss, right? Um, You can be a a lead teacher who's working with a team of teachers, but you can also just get paid to extend your reach to do more or have a harder classroom um, and get paid for for doing that. So that's that differential pay element. So those are two of the five recommendations and they're they're happening here in the state. There are over a thousand teachers who are sitting in those positions now. Um, Yeah, I mean, policy is slow. It's only 10% of our schools are participating, about 20% of our school districts. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, half of their schools. And, um, and yet, it's, it's really significant when you think of a 1000 teachers and the say six, 7000 teachers that they work with and the benefit to those teachers. Um, So it's really exciting that we're, we're making progress on that on that front. Sure. So I would say we've got to, so we, you kind of touched upon a couple of them. Um, so um, let's see, I'm just, I'll kind of read the first one here and we'll kind of see where we're going with this one. So rebranding teaching um, through the statewide campaign that attracts young people to the profession and help the greater community understand the value of teachers. Number of teachers, yeah. Yeah, so, and our organization took that to heart. So about yeah. four years ago, we started something called Teach NC in collaboration with DPI and the basically all of the members of the education cabinet. We all kind of came to this agreement that we needed to do something like that. There is a twist, though. Mm-hmm. What we realized is we started to work on how do you build a campaign? Um, and you can see on teachnc.org, you can see this beautiful campaign and the social media campaign. And what we found is that it wasn't to convince people to be teachers, but that there are literally tens of thousands of North Carolinians 
and people outside of our state who want to come to North Carolina who want to teach and they don't know how to get there. They don't right. know what what add-on degree or what they, you know, how to get their license. And so Teach NC is much bigger than an ad campaign and actually removes barriers such that, you know, somebody says, well, I don't, I've never seen a teacher who looks like me. And we have a whole list of existing North Carolina teachers that you can choose and you can set up a, a Zoom call and have a conversation with an actual North Carolina teacher based on what oh. you, what kind of questions you have. Um, and then you can have, a, we have a chat. Um, this, I think last year there were over 600 chats that happened, live chats, answering questions, and there's a licensure experts. And so it's really removing the information barriers and the perception right. barriers. Um, and I'm I'm so proud to say that in just the first couple of years, there were over 3,000 candidates Wow. Um, entered ed prep programs um, that touched into the teach NC and then entered ed prep programs. And we're, we're pretty clear that this had a big impact because during that time, ed prep enrollment went up 40%. Um, mm-hmm. And it had been declining for more than a decade before that. So again, you know, this yeah. good idea and here it's actually happening. And, and we as an organization sponsored that, our members sponsored that. We had Coastal Credit Union and uh, Belk uh, Endowment and, um, and so many others who who donated to that work. But now it's actually a state-run program um, out of DPI with recurring funds. So the state said, this is really important to us and we need to continue to promote the teaching profession. Yeah. Well, you touched upon three and four because they kind of co-mingled with that, that yeah. great story you're talking about that came out of there. And um, the second um, priority that came out of there was increasing teacher competitiveness by enhancing entry-level requirements and tying that compensation to multiple measures. So yeah. can you expound upon that a little? Yeah, this is one that's a truly emerging issue. <laughs> Um, Over the last couple of years, the State Board of Education has been considering something called the Pathways to Excellence for Teaching Professionals Plan. And that really actually encompasses two, three and four, because it looks at how do we really kind of it's it's a it's a little twist on this because it's how do you open up access? So more people who have access who didn't think kind of those people I described for teach and see, but once they're in really saying, okay, now let's make sure that this is the right profession for you. Right. So giving them pathways in, giving them lots of support, um, but also equally saying we're going to raise the bar for licensure that. So it's a, it's a good, healthy combination of we're going to let people in. We're going to give them lots of support that beginning teachers frankly haven't had and then we're going to raise the bar. And then to this point about tying compensation to multiple measures, that's part of the Pathways Plan as well. And that ties, again, into advanced teaching roles. So that Pathways Plan includes, um, you know, uh, creating new licensure levels. So you have one, two, and three licensure levels that are kind of pre-fully licensed. And specifically saying how much in-school support those people get. Being really, really clear that we're not going to, overburden you with the hardest classroom in the building, which I hate to say often (laughs) happens with our beginning teachers. I used to run a a retail products company and like, I would never give the Walmart account to my beginning employee. Right. (laughs) So, so, so really rethinking license one, two, and three, but then at license four, really paying very, very well. And then on top of it saying, Hey, if you want to take on a harder classroom, or if you want to take on a leadership role, or if you want to, if you're, you're teaching in a hard to staff school or a hard to staff subject, we can we can add on to that. So I'm excited. That's a 
a, a difficult one to wrap your head around when it's not the way we've always done it. But I was right. excited to reflect back on 2014 and see that there they are. Number two, three, and four all relate directly to that Pathways plan. So the last one on our list here was uh, develop a 11-month contract options for teachers to allow more effective talent development. That's kind of a mouthful. (laughs) I don't completely understand all that because I'm not a teacher, so help me. Yeah, so teachers work on a 10-month contract, and I think the the thinking behind this, and it's interesting because it really ties in with advanced teaching roles. Those advanced teaching roles teachers are not working on an 11-month contract, but they are earning between 10 and 30% more, which is kind of the same as adding a month of employment. Um, and, um, But And there has been some legislation that's been floated that you would um, provide an 11th month and that that the teacher would um, spend that time planning and being ready for the, the school year. Um, I think that one has not gone much further than that. I think it's gone through maybe the house. Sure. Um, but of the five, it's it's pretty impressive that four right. are well underway and the fifth one's been con- sure. contemplated seriously. So now we're going to move into the present. This is obviously something you're very excited about, your report. <laughs> Teachers pay in North Carolina a smart investment in student achievement, and it was just released recently. So can you tell us some of the findings and successes from that report? I would love to. So, yeah, quick fast forward from 2014 to 2018, there actually was about a billion dollar teacher pay increase. And that's documented in the report. And so I think it's important for people to understand that there was some really intense conversation about how to put that money in. And I described how those beginning teachers didn't get a pay raise. So a lot of that money was sort of to the front of the pay schedule to remedy the problems from the Great Recession. We tackled this report from the perspective of let's just start Let's just take a step back and look at teacher pay from the perspective of what is the pipeline of talent that we're trying to attract into this profession? What are the gaps in employment? I, one of the researchers that we we studied said, you know, it's pretty simple. Pay isn't high enough if you can't fill the position, right? Well, As opposed yeah. to we felt like the conversation about sort of even we kind of hesitated on the conversation about where where do we rank in the country? Because if the whole country isn't doing well on teacher pay, what does the ranking matter, right? You're the largest miniature poodle, I like to say. So so, so these percentages and averages um, were concerning. I felt like we needed to really step back. And one of the things that we discovered in our analysis was um, when you look back 100 years at how teacher pay was done, it's a model called the step and lane schedule. It was designed um, with the idea that we would have a female-dominated profession, the, the pay levels, the structure of it. And back, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100 years ago, teaching was a really desirable profession. And we we plotted that out. We could only go back 40 years in data. But if you go back 40 years ago, teacher pay on average nationwide was 10% higher than women's wages at the time. Yeah. And guess what? In the last couple of years, uh, women's wages have now surpassed yeah. teachers' wages, right? So because we have a, a we have a, a pipeline problem, we're we're trying to pull talent from a pool that we used to um, assume had a spouse at home who was making more money and could support their family. We we were pulling from a pool that we assumed didn't have other professional opportunities. So really, let's just start there. 
and realize that that's not the pool that we're 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 pulling from anymore. Um, so that was one real aha moment. The second one for me was again when you talk about averages. So average teacher pay was just reported recently at almost fifty eight thousand um, dollars per teacher. So if that's a family of two with two teachers, you're you know sitting at just shy of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. The living wage for a family of four is a bit over a hundred thousand dollars. So you think, okay, well. At least teachers are making more than a living wage for a family of four. But when you plot the pay schedule, <laughs> teachers actually don't make that much money until they are after their child rearing years, not just child bearing, but their child rearing years. And we actually plotted out that estimating about a third of our teachers are sitting in that space where they're probably having children and not making enough money to support them. So again, it's really worrisome to think about this in terms of averages. So I'm really excited about this report. I hope people, those are just two of many examples of how we're really looking at this differently and identifying the problem as being, frankly, structural, right? We're, we're, we're thinking of our talent pool the wrong way, in an outdated way, and we have a design, a pay model that is outdated pay model. I will give you one third example. We we because I'm sorry. Go for it. Very excited about this. North Carolina has really good data, um, and and certain places we don't. We have terrible vacancy data, but that's typical. But we do have really good data of students coming out of our UNC system. So we looked at the the five year. Um, employment rates and pay for people coming out of different majors. And no surprise, but but I don't think I've seen this quantified before, our math majors, our physics majors, our computer science majors are making far more than, than average teacher pay. And research on kind of human resources would say people want to be paid fairly. They don't want to be paid fairly as in the same amount as the teacher next door, a math major wants to be paid the same as their math, their fellow math graduates, right? right. And in North Carolina, math majors make $9,000 more than the average teacher five years into their profession. So we, we, instead of the sort of, hey, I wonder if we're having a hard time filling math roles because math majors make more money, we actually documented it. So um, again, the report includes that kind of information. And so once we can get a better grasp on what the problem is, then we have a, an opportunity to find solutions that, that meet that, that problem. You know, and it's it's with these five recommendations, um, four out of five, uh, pretty good. You know, can't, can't <laughs> yeah. complain about that. You know, I, and, you know, as they We're say, just Rome, call not emerging issues, but futures. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Rome, Rome was not built in a day, so we know. Unfortunately, sure. hopefully, they there some progress can be made uh, upon that, and we can maybe talk in the future about how that came to be, and we That's can check it off as we we accomplished all five. So. Um, so anything else you'd like to add? I know we just kind of listed off the five different recommendations. Anything else you'd like to contribute to the conversation maybe we didn't touch upon? Well, I just I, I just encourage people to remember like you just said Rome wasn't built in the day and and, yes. and and really spending time reflecting back on these healthy conversations. This was a tough, like I said, it was a, a very intense um, IEI forum. Not, it was really well done and really well presented with a broad sort of bipartisan, bi-perspective, multiple perspective. And those conversations need to keep happening. Um, this Later that year, the, the legislature had a joint committee on teacher pay, and they came up with very similar recommendations. And so, and, you know, in a very different setting. Uh, so kind of 
sometimes it, it's odd to think that I'm starting to feel like I'm the old guard who remembers the <laughs> old days. Uh, but I do think it's really important that we not sort of think that these things just are, you know, happening to us or, you know, no one's ever thought of these things before that, right. that, that, that some of these really good ideas, sometimes they just take time to, sure you know, germinate in people, but, but to not dismiss the idea of looking back as a way to looking forward. Sure. Sure. So if, if, if everybody wants to know more about best, best NC, how would they do that? Well, we welcome everyone to our website, bestnc.org. Um, we're very data heavy. We're proud of, of the research that, that we've done. We recently had a teacher pay report um, recommending a very robust and comprehensive teacher kind of organizational structure and pay recommendations. And that can be found in our policy brief section. We also have a facts and figures fa- section. So if you've ever looked for data on pre-K through higher education, you can find most all of it there, including heat maps about uh, school districts. And we have per pupil expenditures for every single school in the state, for example. So um, we're always happy to help. We believe that a conversation based on facts um, is helpful because we'd rather debate ideas rather than debate facts. Yeah. Well, I would like to thank our guest, Brenda Berg, the president and CEO of Best NC. That's Business for Educational Success and Transformation in North Carolina. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm James Herrick with the Institute for Emerging Issues. And for more information on today, and as always, please visit emergingissues.org. Until next time, let's all stay connected. This has been a presentation from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. To learn more, please visit us at emergingissues.org.